This is the How Did You Get Into That Podcast with Graham Baldwin, episode 23. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Hey, what's up, boys and girls? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That? My name is Grant Baldwin, and I am honored and excited and pumped that you decided to hang out with us today. Wherever you are in the world, thanks for joining us. It's uh, it's going to be fun today. We're going to have a good time. So today we're at episode 23 and lots of great knowledge biscuits. We've been baking for you. We worked on a recipe. We put them in the oven. They've come... Mm. Breathe that in. Don't they? Oh, they smell good. You're going to like them today. Lots of uh, knowledge, information, tactics, and strategies that uh, we're going to be able to share with you. Looking forward to uh, to this episode. Hey, one thing I wanted to mention to you is we put together a new resource for you. It's a guide about helping connect with influential people. My guess is that every single one of you listening right now, you have people in your life that you're like, man, I would love to connect with them. I'd love to pick their brain. I'd love to ask them some questions. I'd love to get on their radar. How do I do that? And this is an email I get uh, quite a bit from people of going, Grant, you seem to seem like you've been able to connect with some really cool people. It seems like you've been able to have some great guests on the on the podcast. What's the secret? How do you actually do that? And so I put together this guide. These are my, my top 10 strategies for just connecting with people, especially influencers, people that are busy, people that have a lot going on. How do you get on their radar? So if you are interested in checking that out, it's totally free. You can download it at grantbaldwin.com slash influence. Again, that's grantbaldwin.com slash influence. So write that down and go check that out. I think you're really going to get some good use out of that. Now, today we are joined by my friend Nathan Barry, and Nathan is like, a, he's kind of like a modern day Doogie Hauser. The guy's just super smart. He actually, he dropped out of college before most people had finished high school. He's just smart, smart dude. The guy's done a lot with, with Photoshop and design and kind of teaching people Photoshop, but he's also done a lot with writing and launching products and teaching people how to do that as well. So one of the things that we spent some time talking about is just the power of how one small habit changed everything for him today. The other thing that we'll, we'll spend some time talking about is just trying new things, seeing what works, recognizing opportunity and taking it. It's a pretty cool story. He actually he launched a self-published book that made an insane amount of money in 24 hours. So I, I can't wait to uh, for you to hear that story. So uh, as always, you can find show notes, links, everything we talk about at grantbaldwin.com slash Nathan Berry. So let's get to it. Here we go. Episode 23 with Nathan. Enjoy. All right, today I'm joined on the podcast by Nathan Barry of NathanBerry.com. Nathan, how you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for hanging out, buddy. Hey, I know that we met a couple months ago at a, uh, a conference. I know we've, we've stayed in touch a little bit. And, and uh, you're a guy that seems to have his hand in a lot of different things. You're the type of guy that seems like once you kind of just latch on to something, you can really pick it up quickly. You can be really good at it. So for someone who may not be familiar with what it is that you do today, give us a quick snapshot of your business and, and what all that encompasses. Sure. So I design software. That's kind of my, I guess, my trade. And then I write books about designing software. And then that that grew into kind of two different directions. One where I write and teach about marketing and business on top of that software design. And then also I own an email marketing company called ConvertKit, which competes with like MailChimp and Aweber and companies like that. Nice. So, uh, as I said in the intro, like you've got you've got your hand in a lot of different things. So, software you do you teach people about software, you teach people about marketing, teach people about writing. And then you've got the convert kit. So, I guess let's start with just how did you get into some of this stuff in the first place? Take us back a little bit. And so, you're born and raised. You lived in Idaho your entire life. Yeah. So I live in Boise, Idaho. Back in sort of like junior high, 
age, I dated a girl who things didn't work out so well in the relationship, but... As many junior one, high relationships go. Exactly. But she had this interesting thing where she had this little website hosted on GeoCities, and she would, you know, just change little bits of code, and the background color would change, and she'd put in this, these horrible you know, little animated images and things like that. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And so I got into web design from the little website that she showed me, you know, just from books from the library, that kind of thing. Then eventually, you know, reading more blogs, my parents got me a copy of Photoshop Elements. And, you know, then I started getting like my parents' friends, you know, I'd start building websites for them and eventually started making money at it. So all right, so let's go back to the uh, the relationship. So even though the relationship as a uh, a twelve year old was a debacle, it changed the trajectory of your career thanks to that ex girlfriend, right? Yes, that's yes. awesome. That is that is the untold story that you get on this episode right now. So she shows you a few things that you're just kind of and again just kind of like that super 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 basic stuff. But then there's kind of that light bulb that goes off in your mind. What was it about? that of just those simple little things of changing the color of a graphic or moving an image around? What was it about those things that immediately resonated and connected with you? I like the instant feedback. So I could make a change in, you know, in this text document and it was basically just notepad, you know, save it and then refresh my browser and see what effect that code had. Early on, I had no idea, you know, what particular things would do. You know, I could type an example from a book into, into notepad and then, tweak that. And that's just how I learned. So I love being able to see instant results. So you're doing that for a little bit and you're kind of dabbling with it after the relationship fizzles out, but you just had a new little boy. And so things seems to have seemed to work out for you in the, in the end relationship wise. <laughs> yes. So you're, you're in high school, you're playing with this a little bit more. And at what point is it starting to really come together and people are starting to come to you asking for you to do their website? Uh, let's see. I was probably a junior in high school, I think. And I did a website for, I think it was the Idaho Chess Association. Which I'm is actually, booming. It is. I'm actually just checking to see now. Wow. The website is still up. Is it the Idaho. one you did? Oh, yeah. At IdahoChessAssociation.org. We're going to link to uh, that. I got paid, I want to say like $100 for doing that logo and then maybe 200 for doing the site. You know, that was really good money for me at the time. I was probably 16 then. 15. So they, I think it was 15. So they pay you 300 bucks when you're 15. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great experience of like the first time you get paid anything at any age for your work, regardless of, you know, like today you'd probably look at it and be like, (laughs) probably not my best effort as a 15 year old, but it worked. And, and fortunately or unfortunately, it's still out there on the interwebs. But when you first get paid for something that someone acknowledges the value of your work, how, how is that feeling for you? It's fantastic, especially when that meant, you know, I could make much better money than that I could working, fa- you know, a fast food job at Wendy's. So you take that, uh, that 300 bucks and where do you go from there in terms of web design? So I just kept working my way up to bigger and bigger jobs. It wasn't long before I was in college. I graduated high school pretty early and so started taking college classes and that helped me to pay for classes and, you know, just... I started working my way up where, you know, at first I'd take any job and then later on I had a minimum of $500 and then it wasn't too long before I had a minimum of $1,000 for a project that I would take on. So you start doing these projects at this point, you're in college doing these projects, you're just doing this on the side while you're taking classes? Yep, exactly. And what are you, what are you studying in school? 
So first it was graphic design. I really enjoyed using Photoshop and all of that. But then, you know, I started taking all these art classes that were required for graphic design. And really, I wanted to build websites. And these art classes were, you know, they were just artists that were full of themselves. And I I didn't like the teachers. (laughs) And, you know, I had one experience where I was taking an art class. It was like 100, 100 students. And it was broken up into four or five different labs, you know, so it would be 20 students per lab. And I happened to get a TA who, if you, you know, if you did all the work and followed all the rules on the assignment and everything and met all the criteria, you got a C. And then, you know, that was her average. And if you worked up from there, put in lots of effort, you get an A. So the average in the class was like a D, like barely, some people had a C. But there's other, another D plus. class. D plus, yeah. <laughs> there was another section that I wish I had chosen where the, the TA had the opinion that if you, you know, his default was an A, basically. And so I realized that just by choosing, you know, at the beginning of the semester, clicking the wrong link effectively on a web page, I lost like 30 points on my grade. And so that really frustrated well, me how, you know, how subjective everything was. And so I was like, ah, oh, let's get back into, you know, tests where things can be scored more fairly. And, and I just didn't like the art department. So I switched over to marketing. It's really and, what it comes down to is you just didn't like the art department. <laughs> yep, exactly. So this web design thing, I can keep teaching myself. Uh, you know, maybe I won't get as good at, at drawing or some of those other complementary skills, but I'll get into business. I knew I wanted to run my own web design shop. And so you know, marketing and business seemed like a good way to go. So that's kind of the path that you're on for a while in college, still doing websites, but still studying graphic design, taking some art classes that you despise with the uh, the subjective TAs. And then you're also studying marketing a little bit. At what point did you finish school or what, what kind of happened from there? So I dropped out. I actually secured a web design deal that was for building a software application. It was a $10,000 contract. Nice. And I thought, you know what? I would far rather make money building this application for for a client. And, you know, it's an out-of-state client, and I felt super important, you know, than spend money going to school. And so I talked it over with my mother because I ran all big decisions by her, and she would always tell me whether I was crazy or not. And to my surprise, she said, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And so I dropped out. I was 17 at the time when I dropped out out of college. 17? Yeah. So I graduated high school when I was 15. And so I went to college for two years. And so one of my claims to fame, I guess, is that I dropped out of college before most people have a chance to drop out of high school. (laughs) (laughs) Put put that on your resume. Yeah. So anyway, after that, I did did freelancing for a year, like to try to get more jobs and everything since that's what I was doing full time. I joined the the Boise Chamber of Commerce. I joined a leads group and that was pretty interesting, like doing all this business networking. And luckily I ended up with a group of people who were, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but they gave me a lot of credit and helped me out a lot and that sort of thing. And they didn't see me for, you know, just a 17 year old kid. They really tried to help me out in my business. And so that I had a really good year or so of freelancing. So then after that, I, uh, I took, Let's see, five weeks off because I went on a trip to South Africa and 
I'd had my best months of freelancing leading up to that. And then I came back January 2009 and none of my clients, you know, I, I went to hit up all the leads that I had at any jobs I thought were in the works. And everybody said, hey, actually, sorry, we're not spending money until our clients spend money. And because they were all feeling the downturn. And so I came back from not making money for five weeks and didn't have any work. So I ended up taking a job with my one client who did have work, which was a software startup. Were you feeling just panicked at that point? You come back from this five-week trip assuming that I've got enough left in the tank that uh, there's just going to be clients there. There's going to be work there when I get back. And then everybody starts pulling the plug at the same time. What are you feeling at that time? I was pretty worried, especially because... I was engaged at the time and it was the wedding was in five months and I didn't have money to pay for it. So <laughs> before leaving on the trip, I had had some really good months freelancing. And so I, I expected to come right back and pick up right where I left off and that didn't happen. But luckily the job offer that I got was really good and I ended up staying with that company for nearly three years. So not to mention you, you come back from that, that South African trip and you got to pay for the wedding. But I mean, the, the underlying theme is you got to prove the girl that broke your heart in junior high that she made a bad decision there. So uh, <laughs> really, that's what, that's what it's all about. There we go. So you take on this new job. And I mean, at the time you've been running your business, you've got a taste of the freelance of the self-employed life. But then you jump on with this company and you're with them for three years. What was it about them that made you want to stick it out? Or did you enjoy it? Or did you want out? Or what's kind of going through your head during those three years? You know, it went back and forth. I really enjoyed it, worked with some truly fantastic people. And going into that, working for that company, I think I overestimated my abilities. And so working with some really top-notch software developers and, you know, just the whole team was really, really good. And so I, I kind of got got shown that, hey, I can step up my my skills really quickly. And, and I think I moved up to playing on a different level after probably a year or so working for that company. We had clients like the largest hospital network in the state was our client, but lots of national brands like Johnson & Johnson and uh, Hobby Lobby and companies like that. And so right. I'd gone from doing websites and stuff for chess clubs, lo- chess clubs, local businesses to seeing my work used by national insurance companies and, and things like that. So, so it was really, really good for me as far as advancing my skills I learned a lot more about business and worked with some fantastic people. But I was always looking to go back on my own. Well, I think one of the things you, you kind of alluded to there is not only did it help just your skill set and some of your tangible skills, but it sounds like, if anything, it was just your mindset and confidence that I can play at this level and I have the ability. Now, I need to, you know, some of those skills I need to shore up and continue to improve on and grow, but I've got kind of the raw goods there that I can, I can work with this type of level of people. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's so, so valuable for so many of us that so many times we're doing our craft, our art, our thing, whatever that thing is, and we just kind of do it in our own little cocoon. And we don't really know how it stacks up with the rest of the world. But sometimes when you just, you get out of your comfort zone and you meet people, you go to a conference, you reach out to someone and ask them if you can buy them, buy them coffee or just pick their brain or whatever. Sometimes just being around those people just kind of elevates your own confidence level, your own mindset that I can hang with these guys. I can, I can be a part of this and I've got the abilities or the skill sets to be on par, or be on the same level as them. Yeah. And that's actually what I got out of college as well. Even though I dropped out of college, 
going in the first place was a fantastic decision for me because I gained so much confidence. You know, like you said, I I learned that I could play on that level. I think had I not gone, I would have wondered if you know how I would have ever done in college if I'd if I'd gone that direction. And so I got so much confidence and ability to interact with people out of the two years I spent in college that, you know, I just leveraged that to do more in the business world. It sounds like, you know, even though, you know, you, you did a couple years of college and dropped out, and even though you did three years at this agency and then shifted directions again, it sounds like neither of those are experiences that you would necessarily change or do anything different is what it sounds like. Correct. Yeah. And I think, again, that's just a great lesson there where you kind of, it sounds like you just kind of went into both with the mentality of let's just try this. And if this works, great. And this three-year thing may turn into a 20-year thing. I don't know. It may not, but I'm going to try it. And I'm going to try college and maybe it's a good fit. Maybe it's not. But I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and wonder what would have happened or how things would have been different. So let's just take this path. And if this works, great. And if I need to, if I get a little ways down the path and I need to pivot and go a different direction, then so be it. Yeah. You just try to do the best with uh, whatever you're given and wherever you're at. Nice. And make so, the most of it. So you're at the company for about three years or so. And then at what point do you start kind of wrapping it up and you're kind of looking toward the next thing? Let's see. When I joined the company, there were 14 employees. And, and it was a software startup, so with lots of funding. And so it, it grew very, very quickly. At one point, there were 90 full-time people. And then wow. I watched, watched it you know, go down the other side. And so... The time that I finally actually left was when there had been four rounds of layoffs and I still had my job. And I thought, okay, it's time for me to leave on my own terms. But I'd been gearing up to to that for the last nine months or so before I actually left. Because on the side, actually I guess on the side for like a year and a half, I'd been getting into designing and building iPhone applications. So when the iPad was announced, our company decided we wanted an iPad app out on the App Store the day the iPad was released. And so that was fun, getting to learn how to design and develop for the iPad. And then, you know, I just started doing it and trying to make my own apps as well. And so by the time I quit working for that company, I had an app on the App Store that had been making at least $1,500 to $3,000 a month for the last nine months or so. And I had banked all that money. So I had about $30,000 in the bank. I had a little bit of somewhat stable monthly income from the app that was selling on the store. And then I knew that that would help balance out my freelancing because that was the plan was to go back, go back to doing freelancing and consulting. And, you know, freelancing has such an up and down to the revenue. There's, there's a revenue roller coaster and then there's an emotional roller coaster that goes with it. Yep. And so I'd experienced that the first time around. And this time, thinking I'm going to go back to freelancing, I knew that I needed to, I needed to level that out because you know at this point I'm married, my son was just born, and and so you know I knew that I couldn't have that emotional roller coaster. It was just wasn't fair to my family. So products was my way of leveling that out. And the iPhone apps did a pretty good job of that. So for those nine months just kind of leading up to the departure from that company, and you've got all this money coming in from the iPhone apps, at that point, you're just banking it with the idea that I'm going to need this as my safety net whenever I make the leap? Yep, exactly. Because I mean, that's a tough thing to do for most people of if you've got 30000 sitting there in the bank uh, or whatever amount to just let it sit there just in case, you know? <laughs> for something that may or may not happen. So what kind of like discipline did you have in place just to avoid 
just spending that or just frivolously, you know, blowing that money? I grew up uh, relatively poor. And so at the software job, I was making $60,000 a year, which is here in Boise is a good salary. And so I was just, I was living on less than I made by quite a bit. And that wasn't too hard to do. You know, I had old cars, didn't have any debts whatsoever, and found a cheap place to live. You know, and it helped that my wife was not a big spender either. So that's always a bonus. Yeah. Neither is my wife. So that, yeah, that makes a, that makes a huge, huge difference for sure. Oh, yeah. So, so you're starting off on the, the freelance stuff. And while you're kind of wrapping up at the company, are you starting to try to pick up some new clients just to kind of get some momentum going? So whenever you leave, you're not just starting from scratch? Or what was that transition like? You know, I tried to put some some feelers out there and try to get things going. But and my plan was that I would walk out the door on on my last day and uh, you know have all these projects lined up. And it ended up that they didn't start as soon as I had expected. Your business plans never work out as well as you think they're going to. But I, I still lined up plenty of jobs and had a pretty successful year consulting. Though I wasn't that good with my money, and so I actually didn't realize that I was slowly losing money over the entire year. How so? Was, I just wasn't making as much and I didn't handle my taxes very well, you know, making estimated payments and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, my savings started to, to dry up. And then I had one project that I did for somebody. Basically, I worked for them for a month and a half or more. And this was the following summer. So July 2012, or August. And basically what they said is, sorry, hey, that $15,000 that we owe you, we can't pay you. <laughs> and uh, so I actually came really, really close to having no money. <laughs> but do they end up ever end up paying you or do they just, you just, it's just write it off as a loss? Uh, they did end up paying me about maybe nine months later. Wow. But still, I mean, at the time you're banking on that today, not nine months later. Right. Sheesh. Yeah. So I wasn't very good at managing cash flow with the inconsistent income from freelancing. But something else had started, which was with that March, which was effectively when my career changed again. And that was when I started working on a book. So I'd been designing a lot of iPhone apps. Lots of friends were asking me questions about how to design beautiful, usable iPhone apps. And so I started writing a book about it. And I'd learned from some other friends that, hey, you can actually make money self-publishing a book, even if you have a small audience. And so I just started teaching and putting tutorials up on a blog and building an email list. And then in September 2012, I launched that book and it did very, very well. So had that book done poorly, that would have been timed with the client not paying and I would have been a bit like down to my last thousand bucks in my bank account. But the book did well. And so it actually wasn't until like a month later that I realized how close I came to to not having any money. That's, uh, that's always a, uh, a scary feeling to look back and be like, wow, we were really, really close to this whole thing just toppling down. And thankfully, here we are to, to talk about it. So at the time you create that first book, which uh, and that was the app design hand, or designing web apps, which one was that? It was the app design handbook. Okay. So you create that and that does pretty well. Like how well, how fast? Can you give us any context on that? Yeah. So I built up to a big launch where, you know, I'm trying to do as many sales in one day as possible. And so on the launch day, it did $12,500 in 
24 hours. So at the time... just blew my mind. Yeah, I was going to say, so at the time, you're waiting on a $15,000 check for a month and a half's worth of work, and you're getting $12,000 for sitting there you know, for over a 24 hour period there for the work that you've already done and and put in. Is it like an immediate light bulb uh, at that moment? Like, okay, I got to shift my business or or what, where do you kind of go from there? It was an immediate change. Like, I think I contacted a few days later about a consulting gig and I said, I just immediately said, uh, no, sorry, not, not taking new projects. (laughs) So you immediately just started phasing out your, your client work. Yeah. I had uh, a few ongoing commitments that, you know, had me booked at least part-time through the end of the year and a little beyond, you know, so for the next four or five months. But I just immediately started declining new projects because selling products was so much more fun. What was it that was fun about selling products for you? Uh, I felt like I had full ownership of what I created. So I could, you know, I could do whatever I wanted. I didn't have to end up shipping a final product that was what the client wanted, but that I didn't feel fully comfortable putting in my portfolio. And yeah, and I got to see all the upside of it. Instead of just charging an hourly rate for my work, I had true leverage where the it was disconnected between how much time I put in and how much money I could make. And I saw that with a small audience of under a thousand people, if I could make that much money, it got me excited to see like, well, what if I had an audience of 10,000 people? Right. So that first book comes out, light bulb goes off, and that really kind of changed the trajectory of your career from that point. So kind of catch us up to today. You've come out with a couple different books and you've on a couple different types of topics. What does your business look like at, at this moment? So right now I've got three books, a course on how to launch products, a course on how to use Photoshop to design software, an email marketing company. My business did a quarter million last year, and if everything goes well, we'll do double that this year. Nice. Um, so, so yeah, things are going well. There's a little bit of the story that, that I should fill in. And for anyone trying to maybe recreate some of my playbook, and that is I tried to write books. Uh, I tried to write three books before the App Design Handbook. And it wasn't until I learned, and I learned it from a mutual friend of ours, Chris Gillibo, that in order to make progress on something, in order to finish something, you need to work on it consistently. And so his version of that, since he's a writer, was to write 1,000 words a day, every day. And I picked up on that habit, and it took me a while to get a streak going. But by the time I I released the App Design Handbook, I had over 75 days in a row of writing 1,000 words a day. And I tracked this in a little iPhone app called Commit that I wrote. And so what happened is I had never planned to write more books, but the App Design Handbook came out. And it was a success. And then the next day, my phone popped up and said, hey, are you going to write a thousand words today? And I said, no, because I, you know, I met my goal. I finished the book. Right. But then I looked at my phone and it said, you know, 75 days in a row. And so I knew that if I didn't write a thousand words today, I'd break that chain and lose, lose that streak. And so then I thought, what am I going to write about? Well, I know a lot about designing web software as well. And so I just launched writing the next book, which was called Designing Web Applications. And that launched uh, 90 days later, made more than twice as much money in the first day as the App Design Handbook did. And things just kept growing from there. So it sounds like in some ways, like that one small little habit that was kind of uh, you picked up on from Chris was something that really was a huge, huge game changer even to you today. Oh, absolutely. So now I'm at over 600 days in a row of writing 1,000 words a day. 
And that has had, so there are two things that have had an absolutely massive impact on my career. One is learning that if I teach, people will listen and that's how you, you market and sell. So teaching is the most effective form of marketing there is. And then two, that if you want to make big things happen, like write a book, launch a software company, anything like that, you have to make slow, consistent progress. And so for me, that was writing a thousand words a day. Did you know right out of the gate that in order to make that slow, consistent progress, that the best thing to do is to write? Or how do you, like if someone's listening to this right now and they're going, okay, I understand that it's the tortoise wins the race, not the hare. So I know that slow, steady progress is going to win long term. How do I know what to put my focus on? You know what I mean? So for you, you, you knew it was writing, but for someone else, they may go, well, it could be any number of things. So how did you figure out it was writing was the thing to really focus on? Well, I had built up a little bit of a reputation for working on projects. Like I mentioned, I'd I'd started a couple of books and never finishing them. And so when I had this idea for a book, I knew that this time I had to finish it. And so, you know, when I read read a blog post from Chris that that showed me that okay, writing a thousand words a day is the way to finish this book. And so my goal was was to actually finish a book instead of just talk about it for a little bit, you know, write a chapter or two and then fizzle out. So that that's how I knew that writing was the thing for me. And at the same time, I learned how important teaching is. And so I've built my entire business on teaching and writing. But you could teach in many different forms. You know, this podcast is a great way to teach. Exactly. That's the lesson that we've learned here is... Don't break seventh grade girls' hearts. Don't take art classes and start a podcast. That's the summary of what we've learned here. <laughs> so, so for someone who may be listening to this going, okay, you, you're someone who's, who's tried a few different things. You've had success in a bunch of different ways who may be looking at their options, f- trying to figure out what is it that I should do with my life? What's the next step that I should take? Maybe I'm in a job right now that I hate. I want out of it, but I don't know what I should do next. Uh, what advice would you give to them? I would say... Learn a concrete skill, something really, really tangible, like design, programming, copywriting, you know, that's just the world that I play in, but but something truly valuable that people play, pay plenty of money for, and then work on teaching that to other people. You can build a great audience, you can, and make a great living selling training on, on teaching valuable skills. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a, a theme that I've heard a lot in these interviews and just on the show is that I think about episode three with Sean Ogle, our, our mutual friend. And that was one thing he said was uh, find just a skill that like you can really become a go-to person on that skill and really hone in on that. And then you can expand to other things from there, but becoming a go-to person in something makes it easier to build credibility in, in other things. And I think you, you know exa- you're exactly right. And you became known as a go-to person in Photoshop and software development development and some of these things. And so from the outside looking in, you may be like, well, what does software development have to do with writing? And what does writing have to do with marketing and self-publishing? And from the outside looking in, they may not have anything to do with each other. But then when you're in it and you see how they they all kind of overlap and come together, then it makes a lot more sense. Yep, exactly. And I think writing is, no matter what area you go into, writing is just a fundamental skill and you will, will never regret time put into writing. Yeah. Um, when I was in school, let's see, I, I was probably 11 or 12. I was working on some writing assignment and I was telling my mom, this is ridiculous. I shouldn't uh, have to work on English, writing, any literature. I'm never going to be a writer. 
And, you know, she had some explanation about how writing is important and being a well-rounded individual. But uh, there was a news story that the local TV station did when I came out with the first book. And so I'm quoted in that news story telling the story about how, you know, I told my mom I was never going to be a writer. And now I'm a writer. I've got three <laughs> books out. And, and I think that writing is just the most important skill you can develop. And that mom's advice always comes back to bite you. Yep. Nice. Now, for someone that may be listening to this today, I know that you've got a book that I've even read that was really, really good. Someone that may be going, okay, I want to get into writing. I'd love to self-publish something. Tell us about your book, Authority. Yeah. So after the first two books came out, I started getting asked more about self-publishing and making a profit from self-publishing. And then I was getting asked about design. And one reason for that is because I was I, I published all my numbers. I taught and shared everything I knew about the process. And so that's how people were finding my posts and saying like, I'm not interested in designing software, but tell me more about how you priced your books and how that made you money and how you, you actually made a profit from writing technical books. So after getting tired of answering all those questions over email, I <laughs> wrote it all down in a book called Authority, which is you know just about basically how to profit from teaching what you know and self-publishing. So nice. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. It's yeah. I just have so many stories from people of they've taken ideas in that book, and maybe the first book or course that they launched after it hasn't done amazingly. But I have plenty of stories of people who have done a thousand dollars on their first book, up to one guy did eighty thousand dollars in in his first couple days of his his course coming out that he made after after reading Authority. So. There are so many great examples and case studies from it that I've had more fun working on that than anything else. That's so cool. And like I said, I, I'm someone that has read it and, and thinks it's a phenomenal, phenomenal book. I've published a couple of physical books and I've, I've published some digital products, some that have done incredibly well and some that have been a bust. But I think the idea, like you're saying, is just shipping stuff and getting stuff out there and seeing what works and just kind of iterating and going from there. So if people want to find out more about authority or just you in general and just want to learn more about you, follow you on Twitter, where all can we find you online? So everything I do is at NathanBerry.com. Berry is spelled with an A, B-A-R-R-Y. And authority is just NathanBerry.com slash authority. And then I also put out a pretty in-depth email course that's all free on how to launch products. And that's just at NathanBerry.com slash launch. Beautiful. We will check all of that out. We will link up uh, to everything there in the show notes and especially the uh, that chess club website. We're going to hunt that down. We're going to find that and uh, we're going to post a link to that. Check out some of your Sounds early work good. there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Nathan, good to talk to you, buddy. Appreciate the time and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, boys and girls, there you have it. Episode 23 with Nathan Berry. As always, you can find all the show notes, links, everything that we discuss at grantbaldon.com slash Nathan Berry. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you go check out that Idaho Chess Association website. It is as glorious as it sounds. I kid you not. I hope that collectively they uh, we can crash their server. Not in a mean way, but in a way of like, where is all this traffic suddenly coming from? There's a There's an influx of interest in the Idaho Chess Association, influx of interest in Idaho. There you go. Say that three times fast. So uh, make sure you stop by, check that out. Hey, also, as always, uh, I really so much appreciate just so many of the the reviews and ratings that we've been receiving from people on iTunes and Stitcher. I got this great five-star review from Laura Nash. She says, I love listening to this at work. I'm unhappy with my job. have no idea what I want to do. This podcast is helping me develop a plan so I can go out 
find what truly makes me happy. It's comforting to hear how some of these people had the same thoughts and fears before they took the leap. I'm excited for the future. So thanks for sharing that, Laura. Hey, if you want to, uh, if you're digging this, if you're enjoying this, if you're getting some, uh, some of those fresh baked knowledge biscuits that we referred to, and uh, this has been helpful to you. Would you mind leaving us a review? You can go to grantbaldwin.com slash iTunes, or you can also go to Stitcher, grantbaldwin.com slash Stitcher, and leave us a rating or review. Again, those really, really help out. Uh, help other people find the show. We, we did a, a survey recently and found that most people have found the show just through iTunes or Stitcher. So by leaving those ratings or reviews, it just helps other people to discover the show. So we really, really appreciate your support with that. Hey, one of the things I mentioned at the top of the show is we've got this uh, this new guide about helping you just connect with influential people. Again, if you want to download that, you can go to grantbaldwin.com slash influence, grantbaldwin.com slash influence. I would highly, highly, highly recommend that you check that out. If, you are, if you've got some people on your radar, you're like, man, I really want to connect with them. How do I do that? This will give you very, very practical, in-depth tips and tricks and strategies to help you connect with those people that, that uh, maybe you just thought, ah, I, can't, I can't meet with them. What are they going to give me the time of day for? Well, you never know. You don't know unless you try. And so these are some practical ways that you can uh, begin to expand your own network and connect with some of those influencers. So again, that's at grantbaldwin.com slash influence. Hey, last thing I wanted to mention to you is I was wondering if you'd be interested in us doing some type of Google Hangout, one of those uh, AMAs, Ask Me Anything. Would you be interested? I I don't know. Maybe, maybe you wouldn't. I'm cool either way. So I've got a lot of emails and questions that have been coming in about all types of subjects. So I thought it might be fun sometime just to get the the audience together and just let you uh, fire away with some questions. We could talk about anything that you want related to, uh, to speaking or podcasting or entrepreneurship or starting a business or leaving a career, my story, my journey, my family, any of that stuff uh, would be, would be fair game. So if you're interested, tweet me. Let me know. Uh, you can catch me on the tweeter <laughs> at Grant Baldwin, G-R-A-N-T Baldwin, B-A-L-D-W-I-N. Or you can email me. Just email me at grant at grantbaldwin.com. And uh, like I always say, if you're pondering some stuff, kicking some stuff around, and you want to just keep, run it by me or just get my two cents on it, hey, that's no problem at all. Email me. Email me again at grant at grantbaldwin.com. Would love to hear from you. So that wraps up episode 23. Thank you so much, my friends, for listening, for tuning in. It really, really, really means a lot. Uh, we're seeing our the audience just continue to grow and getting emails from people from around the world. So really, really, it seems cool that we're uh, collectively, we're all a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And hopefully, we're helping you to inspire help you find and do work that you love. And, and really, that's at the end of the day what we're, we're hoping to accomplish and, and help you with. So thanks again for joining us. And we'll be back at you uh, real soon with episode 24. We'll talk to you then. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.